0: Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim. Today's episode 230, and we're going to be interviewing Andy. How you doing, Andy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yourself? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be having yeah. uh, a discussion with you about your life story and stuff. So let's get started. First question that I ask everybody is, tell me how your childhood was. Tell me about growing up.
1: Uh, um. Yeah, my childhood, like I I was uh, adopted, me and my sister were both adopted, and I was adopted at three months old to the day after I was born, so I don't know a lot about my biological parents, but I know they weren't addicts, because I've asked my mum that, and my sister, she's not my biological sister, but she was adopted really early, and um, yeah, I look at my mum and dad now as my mum and dad, so I haven't got a problem with that. And um, yeah, my childhood was quite good, really. I can't really moan about how I was brought up. My mum and dad are both hardworking. Um, yeah, they they don't they've never taken drugs. Um, they're not alcoholics or anything. So really, I can't can't complain about my upbringing. But um,
0: so you said yeah. real quick, you said your biological parents had addiction issues.
1: No, they didn't. That's
0: oh, they didn't. I asked okay. Them
1: no nah, they didn't i, I asked my mum that before i went into treatment recently just out of interest because i don't really ask a lot about them to be honest because i find it not well, a bit disrespectful because my mum and dad now have brought me up they've stuck by me and everything i've done and done to them over the years I, i'm just, and they're still there now and they're, they'll do anything for me and i like I've I've had a good upbringing and they've been there for me, so I can't I can't can't blame it on anything like that. I'm so grateful for all the support they've given me and they continue to give me. So yeah, they've been brilliant. Like but um yeah my my sort of my first memories of probably I've been thinking about it. It's probably was about nine. I used to love going gambling down the arcades and um, used to be able to uh, get cigarettes with the tokens you win off the fruit machines. Like I remember once getting like 60 cigarettes from the tokens and then taking them over onto the heath where we used to live and smoking all 60 of them with another lad and just smoking them in a few hours and then going home. Which looking at it now it was probably a bit strange, but yeah, after that it's probably about twelve. I started smoking cannabis.
0: Um, <clears throat> who introduced you to cannabis?
1: Um, just just hanging about with older lads, really, out of school, and yeah, always sort of like hung about with the older lads that are a couple of years older, sort of like the bad lads. Always felt, I don't know, whether it made me feel accepted or whatever, but I used to think I was cool because it used to hang about with older lads and they'd give it to me and my friends. And I can remember smoking my first joint and thinking, yeah, I like this, I like the feeling. And that that just led on over the years. I mean, it went through lighter gas stages of smoke, taking loads of lighter gas, sat in a mate's shed. Just doing bottles and bottles of lighter gas.
0: What lighter um, gas? What What are you saying? Lighted gas?
1: Yeah, like uh, refill for lighters. The the gas that fills. Oh, the like the butane.
0: Up. Like butane. You think
1: uh, Yeah.
0: What are you huffing doing that?
1: Loads... Sorry.
0: What were you huffing it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just inhaling it, and obviously you get all the head and all, all the funny feeling and blacking out off it. Um. And and enjoying it, and basically that progressed on to then going to upper school where you're like 14, and then selling starting to sell drugs to fund my own drug habit, which was mainly in my whole life. I I sold cannabis, but um, yeah, that led on to speed, uh, doing a lot of pills.
0: What age did you get introduced to speed?
1: Uh, about 15 just speed pills and acid but I, I didn't really enjoy tripping much it's never been my thing but we used to take them at school and in the last two hours of school we take acid so you're coming up in the last lesson and then you'd leave school and go and do whatever for the afternoon and evening but it, it, that was never really my thing but I used to love taking pills and going never never going out on them I'd go and take them and just go to a park or something and my friends would, um they'd do I don't know two or three I'd take five or six and back then when we were taking them they they were quite strong and they I think they're full of like opiates they're all speckly doves and that I can remember just lying, lying there, my eyes rolling in my head and thinking, yeah, I like this.
0: And what did you like about this? What did you like about What did you like about marijuana when you first smoked it?
1: I just like the way it changed how I felt, to be honest. And yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I liked it. I liked selling it as well. I used to think I was cool at school. Everyone knew who I was. Um. Everyone knew I sold drugs. Everyone knew I took drugs. They all thought I was mad. I was hanging about with the older lads, so I had protection from them because they were obviously selling us the drugs. So you never had any trouble at school, and if you did, you had people that would sort it out for you. Um, And, yeah, I just... I like the way it changed my feelings, but I've, I've never... Like the party drugs, I never took it to party I just took it to get it off my head basically I, I never used to go to raves and I never really went out clubbing I just did it to get off my head which looking back on it now was wrong so a lot of people go out raving and have fun I never done that. I just used to go to a park sit with a like a radio on listening to music and um yeah just lo- love being off my head and I went through that. I went through magic mushrooms, things like that, which yet again I don't really like, but I do it over and over again. I've had a lot of bad times on them. Like, why I would
0: the you first time, really do it?
1: I, I don't know.
0: I, just, nah. I don't I can't <laughs> answer that. It's amazing as addicts, we don't the shit we do, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Like, I remember the first time coming up on them, I went take a draw on my fag, walk down the road and my arm floated off down the road and I, I felt out of control that's what I didn't like about like mushrooms and things but, but instead of taking a few I'd take loads of them rather than just take enough to have fun I'd, I'd take so many that it was just horrible and then a few weeks later I'd do it again And um, yeah i will stop that after a bit because I, I like I like the feeling of being in, in control. I felt when I was doing mushrooms and acids and that I was get getting out of control. I didn't like looking at my body, thinking one minute you're tiny, then you're big, and your arms look weird. So, yeah, like that that just went on till sixteen, seventeen, doing pills. I've mean, done so many pills. Just sat about in parks doing nothing. It's um it's mad, but when I got to 17, um, one, one night, I did go to a party one night actually, so that was one night I went to a party, I went out with my friends, uh, my four best mates, and these are lads, three of them I've been at school with, and went well going back a bit now, but when I was at school, I used to look at it as a social, I was, I was like predicting good grades to start with, but I used to look at it as a social thing, and, by the last two years, I just did not care about school at all. I used to just care about going back. So I used to live around the corner to my house at lunchtime with about eight lads smoking bombs and coming back to school or taking drugs, coming back to school. My two best mates got expelled like eight months from the end. And uh, so I, I decided to get myself expelled just by saying I'm not, not going to school. And uh, so they expelled me for that. Um, But I'm quite grateful for that because what happened when I was 17 is I went out to this party with four mates, well, three mates, I was in the car, and we got to this party one night and I got a bad headache and went home. And uh, basically someone took my place in the car on the way back and they they, uh, hit a wall and died. All four of them died instantly in this car crash. And then that's after that, my life, changed right but well, it's still changed now like I don't I haven't realized till I've got clean how much it has changed and how much I miss them but that that was like a, a big turning point to go on to heavy drugs but before that I had a serious problem anyway and I, I found out at the funeral that they'd spoke to their parents my mates that had died and said that they were worried about me about my drug taking and that but they'd never said this to me But um, I was quite shocked about that. But obviously, when you're lads and that age, you don't you don't really speak about that. But I I love these lads like family. Like when I was 16, my mum and dad moved away, and I stayed down where I was living to stay with my mates. So I chose my mates over my family because I love these boys. But yeah, once they died i I just did not give a shit about my life, you know what I mean it i I didn't care, and that that carried on for at least fifteen years of my using the last ten years of it, I did give a shit more about my life, but yeah, when I was seventeen and they died, I turned into a bit of an alcoholic really for a year, but it it was it was not long after that. I started taking heroin and crack and anything I could get my hands on. But like my main uh, problem drug has been the heroin over the years. I started on that probably about when I was 17 and a half, just coming up to 18.
0: Who was the first that person? That cat- you, who did you first do heroin with? <clears throat> Basically,
1: I was hanging about with older lads again. And when I was 17, I was renting a house. And um, the lad I was hanging about with, he was only two years older, but he was hanging about with another lad that was selling a lot of heroin. He was selling like kilos of it. And this bloke was leaving half bars of it at my house, stashing it at my house. And they offered it to me. And like I'd never thought, where I grew up, you you couldn't get heroin really in the in the little place I live. You could if you went into Bournemouth, but I never thought I'd touch it. But as soon as I was offered it, I, I took it straight away and smoked it, and it it made me sick. Like it made me sick, and I thought I like this and done it. Yeah, I've day. heard that
0: before. I heard that when you do heroin, you throw up, and for some reason, you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and it. When you first start it for the first couple of weeks, it makes you throw up, yeah, but it's weird. You think something like that would put you off, but it doesn't. It's part of it, and you think, oh, this is good. And within, I'd say, two or three weeks of doing it every day, I was hooked, like, just through smoking it. And it doesn't take long before you start injecting it. And, um, yeah, so I started injecting it and uh, all the shit that that brings with it, injecting crack with it at the same time.
0: You um, mix heroin and crack?
1: Yeah, 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 injecting both of them at the same time. So, yeah, it's um, it's
0: just that's to get a, the feeling. I was going to say, that sounds like a lethal cocktail.
1: Yeah, the, Yeah, with the crack, it's like when you smoke it on the pipe, it's, it's intense but if you inject it it's it's a lot more intense but I ain't gonna come because right it ain't good it's crap do you know what I mean it's it's ruined my life basically for 25 years but this is a thing so you left, do
0: right. no keep going I'm sorry
1: yeah that's no, fine yeah and no, that's the things that it it does to you like oh, I've been a functioning addict through my life so I thought but I was alright, I learnt bricklayer when I was 17, I can remember going to college, going outside, injecting and smoking crack in my tea break and things like that, but the first 10 years of my using, I I, I rinsed my family because I I couldn't earn enough money to support myself and I'd work at a pub, I'd steal all the money out of the pub, I remember them coming up to me because I never looked like a like someone on drugs so they'd say someone's stealing from this pub can you keep your eye out but it was me like I was the one that was stealing all the money from it and <laughs> I've been on jobs and I've stole money I've I've stole so much from my parents like and they, they've helped me out like I've run up a debt of 50 grand with them through the first few years my dad wrote that off um and, yeah, just doing scummy things. They'd go on holiday, they'd come back, the telly's gone, everything's gone out of the house, and I've just got the porn tickets to say, oh, you'd have to go and get it back out of the pawn shop. But you, you lose all your morals. You, you don't You don't care. And I, I used to go into crack houses and share needles with people. If there's no new needles, I'd go in there and share with people that have there's people in the house that got AIDS and Hep C, but you, I, I honestly didn't care about my life at that point. I didn't care if I lived or died. So I'd, I'd share needles with people. I said, by the grace of God, I, I, I don't know how. I ended up not catching anything, but like, these are the things that it just drives you to, like desperation. You, you just don't care. You've got no self-respect, no morals. I, I, at work, I could never wear a, a t-shirt for 10 years because i had track marks up and down my arms so in the summer when it's baking hot people must have thought i was mad because i had a long sleeve t-shirt but i couldn't take it off because my arms were just covered in track marks so but like that that carried on for about 10 years until i got to a point where i I couldn't get a hit in the end I, i remember one day sat on my bed at home and i'd probably tried about 50 times to get a hit and i was i just sat there i looked to myself covered in blood needles everywhere we're changing the needles and just thought what am i doing and like it's like i had a light bulb moment. i thought i ain't doing this anymore but the only trouble with that is i just put it straight onto the foil so i stopped injecting it then and then started smoking it on the foil and um so your veins weren't
0: working anymore is that what happened?
1: Yeah, they'd all gone. They're still collapsed. Like that, I still don't have many. Well, I ain't got no veins now. If I have to go for a blood test, it's uh, on the doctor's notes like to give 45 minutes or an hour to get a blood test because I just collapsed them all. Because some of the times you're trying to inject with blunt needles, uh, you run out of needles. You can't get to the pharmacy to get a swap pack. So yeah, you just you're just trying to push in a needle that you've used five or six times already or whatever. And, yeah, I just ruined all my needle. I tried to go everywhere in the end. And like, I used to struggle finding the one in my groin. And I'm quite glad of that because I know a lot of people that have you go in there and you can end up with a hole that you can just use. Like, to, but I know people that have lost legs and things like that through that. But So I, was, I suppose I was lucky not... It's meant to be a massive... Vain, but I tried loads of times, and but I've tried everywhere else, literally on my body. It's going well, yeah, everywhere. So that that just became in the end, I, I had to stop because I couldn't get a hit. But, but um, so I, I started smoking it then, and that, that carried on for 15 years. And uh, yeah, I'm sat in now with lungs, you know what I mean? I'm 40. Just coming up 44, and uh, I went to the doctors about five years ago. And they said I got lungs of a 67 year old. <laughs> and um, yeah, when I went into treatment, you have to blow on this thing. I blew 200, and uh, you should be blowing 600 I it on a peak flow meter. So basically, I've ruined my veins, I've ruined my lungs. Um, but I'm glad to be clean today because I never thought I'd be clean. I really didn't. I never thought there'd be a way out. Um, I, I thought my life would be taking drugs, or if not, being on a methadone script. Um, I, I started on my methadone script when I was 18, on a supervised pickup, and that's carried on until about 13 weeks ago. And that's going to the pharmacy every day to collect your methadone because I never gave a clean urine sample because I'd always use on top of it. Basically, I used it just to get me up in the morning. Well, I'd use it in the morning anyway, but it's just a backup just to help you through the day at work, really. But um, and that, that, that's been the hardest thing to get off, really. So I went into a treatment centre which was about, well, it was November the 8th. It was meant to be for 15 weeks. Um, I'd, I'd done a detox in there. When I went in there, what I was using at the time, I was on 85ml of methadone a day. Um, before I went in, I was probably smoke, smoking at least a 10th of heroin a day. I was smoking cannabis every day, um, using diazepam to sleep at night. So I had quite, quite, quite a tolerance to stuff. And, um, yeah, when I went in there, the first week and that was all right, I thought, oh, this is easy. And then they reduced me, and it got down to 65 mil, and then, bang, I was, I was ill. So I said to the treatment centre, like, oh, they go going to have to slow it down. I think they are trying to reduce me too quickly. So they phoned the doctor and that, and to be fair, they slowed it right down, which made it more manageable. But it's been hard. But it's going to be when you you got off keeping your head. You want it to be hard anyway, really. You don't want it to be too easy because otherwise, you, you know, this is going to stop me from reusing it. But I have to keep remembering these. Even now, I'm only what is it about six forty-five days, forty-four days, maybe forty-five days in a couple of hours ever. Oh, yeah, clean. off the meth- Cheers, off the methadone. I haven't used heroin or any drugs for ninety something days, but I'd start my clean day for when I finish my methadone. Some people don't, but in the treatment center in England, that's what they say, when you finish your
0: methadone, you clean. But I mean well, whatever, quick, whatever. Real yeah. quick, going back a little bit, what made you want to get sober? What what did you have a rock bottom? Was there something that happened, like an incident?
1: It basically it was just a relentless cycle of, it, I was working seven days a week by the end of it to earn I don't know 12, £1,200 a week but I spent everything I earned I was spending on drugs and more so I was still getting in debt and I was I was earn, like the money I was earning for bricklaying it's good money but no matter how much money I earn it's never enough to, like, the more money you earn, the more you do. And it's just 25 years of relentless cycle of just working and working every day. I used to think I enjoyed it, but looking back on it now, it was, um, there's nothing enjoyable about it. It was, I think I just got stuck in the I didn't even think I was an addict, to be honest. When I went into treatment, I had cannabis left at home for when I got home. And when I got in there, they're like, you can't drink can't take cannabis I was thinking well, I'm I'm here to get off heroin that's it and I didn't realize if you want to be clean and feel feel something you've got to give everything up Like I, I didn't have a clue about recovery I, I hadn't heard about NA um yeah I'd, I'd never even been told about it so and none of none of my mates like I was a lone user for the last 10 years and so I don't really, I'm not really around people that have given up. Um, so, yeah, it's all new to me. But since going into treatment and going through, through it, it, it was eight weeks to get off the methadone. And, it, yeah, it was a struggle, but I'm so glad I did it. Like I played up and got in there. I, I could have... Probably got kicked out. I walked out one time, which was stupid, but I think they understand when you're in treatment center. Like you're not, you're not who you are. You're going through it at the time. And um, I got COVID when I got down to 15 millimeth, and that that was probably the hardest point because I was rattling in there, And then I got COVID at the same time, so I was isolating in a room as well for three days before other people got COVID in the house. And then we all got put together. So those three days were hard. But, um, yeah, when I walked out of the treatment centre that day, I, I thought I still had, in my head, because obviously your head tells you stuff that's not true, like you, you believe your head. And I thought, oh, I've still got two weeks left to get off this methadone. I'll go home, get back on a script, I'll detox myself. But like the next morning at five in the morning, I was ill. So if I'd have left that night, there's there's no way I'd have waited till four. Well, after lunch to get a script. I'd have used. So shows how deluded I am. And um, four days later I was clean, but well, I didn't realise it because it's a blind detox at the treatment centre I was at. So I'm so glad I like I didn't. Well, I tried to reverse the charges to, to my parents, but the phone wouldn't work because they've got some cool thing on it. So I'm so glad. It's almost like, like you're now, out higher power, something intervened to stop that from happening. And if I'd have left, that would have been the biggest mistake of my life. Four days later, I was clean. Um, Christmas Eve, my first clean day. So that's an easy one to remember. And... um yeah, that that was eight weeks in, and yeah, a week after that, I decided to leave there and come home, I, I should still be in there now, I I think another two weeks, I, I don't advise it to anyone, but for me personally, I, I, I wanted to get to NA meetings, because in treatment we were going to NA meetings once a week, and I thought, I like this, this is what's This is what's going to sort of like save me. And so I decided to leave, which is what I did. But I, I, like I say, I I wouldn't advise it. It's totally up to the individual. They said to me in there, you won't stay clean. or I am still clean. But it's been hard because like the last 11 weeks, I've had hardly any sleep, like many nights. Um... I'd say about six weeks of that with nothing and then an hour or two a night and the last few days I'm starting to sleep again now like last night I got nine hours which is it's massive now I'm finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel but it's, it's been hard but since leaving and getting out into NA that, that's what saved me basically I, I've, I'm 44 days clear I think I've done about 80 something meetings plus all my Zoom meetings that I do, overnight meetings. So all I'm doing I'm not going back to work yet. All it is is just recovery. Just recovery, like they say I'm putting as much effort into this as I did with buying drugs and it's working. I think if I'd have gone back to work and gone to one meeting a week, I know I'd have used. So you have to you have to prioritise it and I've I've done loads of meetings, I've met some really good people, I've got some good mates now, and I've had some hard times over the last six weeks, where I've needed these people, my sponsor, and um, yeah, without them, like, like, I, would have used, I would have used, so you have to go in there, it's hard, I remember the first meeting, walking in there, I was scared. Well, a lot of the meetings to start with. I'm only just starting to feel better at ease now, but it's scary going in there with meeting all these people you don't know. But I think if you just go in there and keep coming back, like they say, people recognise that you want this and they'll come up to you and they'll help. And, like, I'm not going to say I haven't had thoughts of using because I'd be lying. Like, this last week has been probably my worst week. Since I've left, but it's 10 times better than anything before. So I can't sit here and moan. Like, I'm just so happy. But, like, I mean, this week, a couple of things that have happened. I went to work for a day with someone, like a few hours with someone that you that I used to use with, which is probably stupid. And he, obviously, he wasn't using at work or anything like that. But, and I was final day at work and I got home. And I started driving to a meeting, and I was looking at the time and I thought this is the time now, he'll be sat at home using and it, it come into my head and then I started think like obviously it's not me, it's the addict. Like I don't know this but then people say this is the addict in your head saying Is my life better? All these stupid thoughts for five, ten minutes and I was and then once they went, I came down the beach and I was I was so angry that night, I, I went to the meeting I was sat there shaking, but I made myself share. I was the first one to share, and it, it helps so much if you just go there and just get it out and say how you're feeling. I know, I know it's hard to do it, but if you can do that and be brutally honest with everything, like it does work. Like has so far for me, it's, I know it's early days to say it, so it does work, but where I'm at so far, but I think honesty. Like, you just got to be brutally honest. And then yesterday, I've had this cold for about 10 days. I've never been so ill. I keep getting cold since I'm run down where I haven't been sleeping and that. And obviously, back when I was using, I didn't get ill that much. If I did, I'd just smoke a load of gear or do whatever and it would get rid of it. Whereas now, there's nothing you can do about it. You have to. Obviously, you take paracetamol and things like that, but, um, yeah, it's not it's not the same. But So yesterday was the first time I've been ill, and I was sat at home, and usually I'm out all day, busy with people from recovery. So I'm usually out from 9 in the morning till 10, 11 at night, which is good, round people from recovery. So I spend my whole day busy doing that. But obviously I was ill yesterday, so I sat at home for a few hours, and then my head started saying, "Oh, some diazepam would sort you out." And um, yeah, I had my phone in my hand. I'd, I've deleted the number today now, but I still have one of my dealer's numbers. I was sat there looking at it for about five or ten minutes. But then I, I phoned phoned a mate that, that he, he's eighteen months clean. He's helped me out no end, and he, he's good good he is. And I phoned a sponsor. And I went over sponsors for a coffee, and just speaking about it just gets gets rid of the thoughts, and um just helps so much. And so yeah, just going to the meetings. I remember my first meetings and treatment. It took me six weeks to share at the foot the, like at the meeting. I used to sit there getting all hot and anxious. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that, and then I couldn't do it. And same with Zoom meetings. It took me like a week to get the bottle to come on and share on Zoom. But once you start doing it, it gets a bit easier, but it helps so much. I think if you if you want to stay clean, you just really got to force yourself. I didn't want to share at that meeting in treatment, but I said to myself, oh, I've got to do it. But If I want to get clean and stay clean, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. And so I did share at that next meeting. I, I, I made a mess of it. I felt like a bit of an idiot. But no one cares. They all know you're you new. And everyone's happy that you're trying. But in your head, you they're all going to think I'm an idiot. Because it's amazing like what your head can do to you, especially when you're on your own. If you've got someone else to point stuff out to you, it helps so much. But when you sat there in your own thoughts... um yeah, your head and the addicts in your head will play a lot of tricks. And like, this is all new to me. It's the first time I've tried to give up, but I'm learning so much. Um, and uh, hopefully continue to learn because like my head's messed up. Do you know what I mean? It thinks in a strange way. The same as, but what I like about NA and Zoom, all addicts are the same. We all think in the same way. We all have these thinking patterns. And so you feel part of, part of something here and you know what I mean it's 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 easy when you first come in you sit in there you think oh he's a dickhead look at him blah but everyone's in there for the same reason everyone thinks alike and um yeah the longer it goes on the better it's getting but um yeah like the feeling side of it my feeling's I've been, I'll admit, I've been really angry. I've had a lot of anger since I've got clean. I don't know why, but I, I think it might be with the lack of sleep. I think I've definitely been angry, but today is a good day for me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad because and I'm on this meeting, so I'm glad I'm in a good mood. Cause that that helps my head. I had some sleep last night, so my head's clear. I can think a bit, and um, yeah, I can't wait just to. Get my sleep pattern back, and then obviously I know once the physical side's gone with the sleep and that, and I've got a lot of work to do on my head because, like everyone says, it's not just drugs. You start obsessing over other things now, like money, women, clothes, food. Like I never thought I had problems. I used to buy ice cream every night. I used to get my methadone and go and buy ice cream and. whole tub of it and then when I into treatment they see you can have addictions over food and stuff I thought okay, yeah I've got that so obviously I realise now this is a lifelong process of like the way our brain thinks and um, yeah I need to set, set up some tools to get me through the rest of my life but I realise I've got to keep going to NA especially now much as I can I know in the future you'll be able to cut meetings back a bit but still like at the meetings you hear people have been clean 10 years and they stop going to meetings so they pull away from it a bit and they relapse so it's good to have a wide variety of people there to listen to to get advice from and it's nice now as well I've been clean six weeks there's some more people coming in that are like little bit behind me they're just getting clean so i can relate to them now because i've been through it a bit whereas before i was a new i'm still the newcomer but i've got people at the meetings like the meeting tonight there's a few people there that are like 10 days or whatever and they're, they're going through it and I, I can um yeah i can appreciate where they're at because absolutely it's hard. yeah it's hard it's hard but you, you have to remember it's it's a lot better than it was when you're using and you're in the madness and the depths of despair and just you can't see a way out. So I have to still remember that. And I need need to remember how hard it's been to get off this methadone because once I get back physically feeling fit, like people keep reminding me, you think you're all right. So I have to keep that fresh. And I'm going to try and keep remembering that because, yeah, how, how I've been through, getting off this stuff and I didn't use so to go back now would be absolute madness like yesterday thinking about getting diazepam like is like it's just absolute insane thinking but that's because I was sat on my own but i have done the right thing by phoning someone so uh, all I'm doing is all the advice that NA gives me I'm taking it and it, it is working
0: it like so
1: yeah, yeah. I'm so, so grateful to NA and the meetings, the Zoom meetings and listening to other people, other addicts. Because if, if I was sat at home isolating, like I did through my using, I'd be back there. I'd, 100% would be back there. So, it's, it's, it's keeping me clean. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like, days like yesterday, where I didn't use... And you wake up today and you have a good day. And you're so grateful for yesterday not using. It's, um, yeah, it's nice. And, like, obviously you want everything now. You want to get a house now. You want to get a, a girlfriend now. Because like before, I wasn't bothered about anything like that. I just, my life was drugs. That, that was, especially the last 10 years, I, I didn't, I just wanted to be on my own and just take drugs. So, yeah.
0: I know that
1: they say there's no rush, so I have to learn that now. Um, but I do take take the advice. Some of it might take me a, a week or two to sink in, but like everyone says, as long as I don't pick up, that's the main.
0: Yes, thing. it is.
1: Anything so else, it sounds like it sounds you like you're doing good well.
0: nowadays. it nowadays. Sounds so, like you got your life together. Sounds, like you said. It so sounds it, like you're doing the right thing. As far as when you having you know, thoughts of using your call, reach out to a sponsor, whoever it is, your support network, that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'd sit there and, yeah, my head is telling me all these weird things. It's telling me, like, oh, you should still be in treatment now. If you're in there, they give you diazepam. But looking back on it, they'd they'd have said, no, you're 40-odd days clean. They wouldn't have given me diazepam. Yeah, I It's paracetamol get out of it. do you know what I mean, but yeah. I'm, sat, I'm sat there yesterday thinking, oh, I should still be there, they give me this, they give me that, but it's just, it's just all delusional thinking, but it's, especially when you're on your own, you think, but, but if you run it by someone else, or a couple of other people, they'll soon point out to you, so I think like, that's the main thing, just brutally honest, honesty, if you want to stay clean, you've got to be honest, you got any secrets <laughs> that eat you up? Like, I, I got offered some metazapine, like, when I want sleeping some nights. So it's, it's, I think it's a, like antidepressant drug, but it'll knock you out. I was so tempted to take it. that I thought, I can't. I can't lie to my sponsor. I can't have a lie to my mates. Like, otherwise, I feel like I think that would eat you up more than not sleeping if you're in there. So, that's what I'm doing. I'm just being brutally
0: honest and sharing where I'm at. That's great. You're supposed to share your story. Sharing your story helps others. So yeah. real quick, we're we're getting towards the end here. I just want to ask yeah. you one last question. Do yeah. you have any advice for people that are watching and listening? Any advice for people that are new to sobriety and they're trying to get their lives back together?
1: Yeah, I'd say um, just keep going. Like It gets better. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel a few weeks ago, but I kept going and going. And it, like, people said to me, it does pass. And at the time I was thinking, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? don't, don't say that. But it does. And you get through it. And things do get better. Like, it's easy to say when you're sat in the middle of something and you're feeling bad, you don't want to hear it. But if you just keep going and it does get better, and you can. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, like, and, yeah, I, like, a lot of addicts say, I never thought I'd be clean. Like, I used every day, and you know, I was on methadone for, like, half, well, 25 years. I used every day, and I never thought I'd be clean, and I'm sat here clean now, so, like, you can do it, and um, you just got to keep going day by day. Just like they say, take one day at a time if you try and look too far forward i I never thought i'd sleep again a few weeks ago and all of a sudden it's coming back so if you just keep going one day at a time and just keep battling through it's hard but you'll get there and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and things do get better slowly and you can have a good life now free of drugs so i never thought i'd Give up to I never thought I'd stop smoking cannabis. Like I thought I'd always smoke cannabis, but I'm happy to be sat here with a clear head and feeling something. Do you know what I mean? Like I can grieve for my friends now. I've never grieved for my friends until I got clean. Now I'm feeling it, but I'm glad I can. I can feel them. Before, I was just under a blanket of drugs. So you get your feelings back and it's been hard going to the graveyard crying thinking it feels like yesterday but I'm so glad I can feel that now feel I get some closure on it and give them the respect they deserve so yeah yeah you know what I mean just to keep keep going and
0: you that's can good advice can, I mean one day at a time yeah. keep
1: going right yeah yeah that's it and you get there there's a light at the end of the tunnel and just I'll just say just go to N.A. Get a good network, get some good friends, get a sponsor, like they say. And it's worked for me. I, I'm so happy to be sat here today.
0: I'm happy so for happy. you. And I really yeah, want, to, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It really means a lot to me.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on there. Yeah. Cheers. It's was, it was good. Good, good. good part. I haven't done the share before or anything like that.
0: So, yeah. You so th- You feel good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been all right, actually. I was pretty scared earlier. but No, you, you did north... great. That was an awesome job. I appreciate you uh sharing all the experiences you've been through and the things that you've done to get sober and sharing how you stay sober. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. So do me a favor and sit tight. Time for the little sales yeah. pitch at the end. So everyone yeah. watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. You can also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, Pretty much we're on all social media platforms. You can also check out our website, which is www.addicts anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of free resources as well as free literature. Also, Addicts Anonymous has a book coming out hopefully by the end of this month, if not by mid next month. It's called Addicts Anonymous Our Stories. It's just a collection of essays on different topics I've wrote about, as well as a collection of people's stories. So that's all we have for today. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. And until next time.